Hello, and thank you for joining Know Him, a podcast on the heart of God. In this session, uh, we're going to be going over how God creates the heavens and the earth. So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. So we tend to just read Genesis chapter 1 over and over and over again. We're very familiar with Genesis chapter 1. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to advocate a perspective I've recently heard um, from John Walton's book, The Lost World of Genesis 1. And I'm not necessarily saying that his book is 100% accurate. Uh, But I do think he's on to something in this book. I think this book does give us a broader perspective of how the original audience would have read the book of Genesis. Um, his main field of study is an ancient Near Eastern culture, and I think it's it's a really good book. So I encourage you to pick that up. Uh, that's just a book that has encouraged me and made me think a little deeper about uh, Genesis and how it was written and why it was written the way it was, and uh, helps me to gain a better understanding of what the Bible actually is saying and what the Bible isn't saying that we've kind of made it say in more of our Western culture. So, all right, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, in ancient Eastern literature, uh, throughout most of Genesis, this happens all the time, the uh, kind of the the overview, there's a verse that gives an overview of the chapters. And this happens not just in Genesis 1, but throughout the whole rest of the book of Genesis. There will be a section header that was put in by the author. Uh, Not the little ones that are bolded in your Bible. Those are put in by man. Uh, after uh, the, the biblical uh, narrative was complete, and same with your numbers, your chapter numbers and your verse numbers, all those are added in. But in this, the first verse here is an overview of what's happened. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, let me tell you about it, right? So, verse 2. Now, the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the, the surface of the watery deep. So, hold on. If we are going to say that this is about the physical creation of the earth, We are already wrong because the earth is already there. Now, the earth was without shape and was empty. So, the earth, what earth? The earth was already there. So, the earth was without shape and was empty. And darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. What deep? What watery deep? There's water. So, now we have earth, water, and deep water. So God has already established this, and what we are doing is, as the original audience would have done, is we're trying to understand what the purpose of Genesis chapter 1 is. And I think what it is, is it's function-oriented. So when you look at the word create, uh, it can also be translated as give it existence, right? To bring something into existence. But in In ancient Near Eastern culture, bringing something from out of existence into existence was taking something from non-order and bringing it into order. So when you take just a generic state of something and then bringing it into order, uh, that would be, that, that is, that's what bringing something into existence also meant to people in ancient Near Eastern culture. So... Additionally, with this, uh, 
what is non-order, disorder, and order? So that's probably something we should talk about. So disorder is when something is going against order. So if someone is establishing a system and something is going against that system intentionally, that is disorder. Order is when you are bringing something, you are, you are establishing purpose and function and order to everything that you're doing. So you're, you're, you're establishing, uh, you're establishing, you're giving purpose to your environment, to your area, or, or how, how, however that looks, right? To, to, and, and we're thinking, you usually think materially, right? Giving order materially, but, but you can also give order to your life by just, and it's not a non-material, that can be non, a non-physical order, right? And that's probably more what these, uh, the original ancient Near Eastern Jewish culture would have been understanding with the book of Genesis. So, they would have been taking. They would have been talking a lot more about function. Right? So, so what is the function? What is the purpose for existence? What is the purpose for the earth? What is the purpose for humanity? What is the purpose and the function for all of these things? So, we want to get into the head of the ancient Near Eastern uh, people. I, I don't think they were concerned about material origins. Like, where did this rock physically come from? That's where we we are a lot more deductive in our um in our understanding and a lot more Western in our thinking when we think about that. They would have picked up the rock and said, "Why is this here?" That would have been a lot more of their understanding. What, like, like, why? Not, not material origins, but what is the reason that a rock is on Earth, right? So for us, we want to get into their mentality, read through here, and be faithful to the text and how it was originally written. Originally written by Moses, the Book of Genesis, and go through it and walk through it uh, accurately with a correct understanding of culture and audience. So, now the earth is without shape and empty, and darkness is over the surface of the watery deep. Now, I'm not saying God did not create things. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God previously created, materially, the earth and the heavens and everything in it. In this section, he is bringing everything, giving everything function, giving everything order, giving everything purpose. But but he already made it there. How long was there a difference between there? We don't know. It could have been immediately before, or it could have been, or it could have been millions and millions of years before. So God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, so God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, marking the first day. So, a lot of people say, oh, look at that. Well, no, God made light. Well, light is a non-material thing. And it would have been, uh, they wouldn't have been thinking of a material. I mean, you can get into the photon, how all that works. But light is a non-material entity. And, and I do believe God did create it at some point in time. But what we're seeing more importantly here is that God creates time. We're seeing that God is creating time because when God called the light day, you know, and John Walton says, why... Why wouldn't, why wouldn't God call the light light? Why did he call the light day? Well, it's because he's making an important point. And, and what John Walton's point is, is the day that God calls light is symbolic of God creating time. And that makes sense because he's trying to give light purpose. What is the purpose of the function of light? And it's, it's to govern the day and darkness night, to give order, to give a, a, a order, a non-material order and system to how our day functions. So he says there, and there was evening and there was morning, marking the first day, right? So establishing that is essential. And we actually see the order going, uh, working within itself here. Another thing to consider is this, this 
order account or this function account or this creation account, however you want to say it, uh, is about a super like it's it is about a supernatural temple. This is important to consider because in temple literature and ancient Near Eastern culture, they would take a set of days, and the purpose of the temple was so that you could rest, so that the gods could rest in the temples, and that's not like a physical relaxation. Okay, it's more about a dwelling there, a a resting, the presence, you know, kind of being at the temple, right? So what we see, especially with God resting on the seventh day, which we'll get to, is the whole the whole six days lead up to the seventh day of God's rest and his dwelling there. And even when you look further to the Sabbath and the meaning of the Sabbath, the Sabbath is to remind us that God desires to be, to be with us, to rest with us, in us, to rest. And we are to model after that. And so that, you know, God rested, dwelt in his temple, right? So we should too, right? Was what, what in the, in the, in the old Testament, right? Like, you know, we're under a new covenant now. We'll talk about that in the future, but we always have the presence of God with us as, as Christians now. And we, so we're always resting and dwelling with God all the time. So this is important to understand. We're talking about God is building a temple to be with humanity and to do and to dwell in. And so this is God's purpose for Genesis, right? Yeah, making it, whether you want to believe that's materially or in order, the point is this is a, this is really a, a, a sacred space uh, passage section, you know, large pericope. So God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. So the water's already there. Let, he's just saying, let there be space between them and let it separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. It was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening. There was morning. A second day. So was there actually water in the heavens? Well, you have to consider God is writing to an audience and he wants them to understand something. If you believed that the sky was made of rocks and God wanted to communicate to you that God was the one who established that there. That was his purpose. His purpose was not to have you have perfect scientific information. But his perfect was to sh- his perf- his purpose was to show you that he was the one who established that. He doesn't care what you call it, that he established it, right? That's not his goal. His goal is for you to understand that he is sovereign and good and he's the he's the creator and the one who puts everything in order and all things come from him. That's his purpose, right? He doesn't. He doesn't really care whether you know that that sky is 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 you know made of gases and there's an atmosphere above it and there's you know clouds you know that are that are hovering in the in the atmosphere. Like he his goal is not that. That is not his goal. Okay. His goal is to tell you that he established it there. So the ancient Eastern people believed that it was water. That the sky was literally water and that God was miraculously holding it back. Um, and, and, you know, he is his, with his forces today. I mean, he is, he is holding the sky back, you know, and we, we can explain how that happens through, through science, right? But we can't explain why, right? So God has established it there, right? God is the one who's holding it and putting it in place, right? But it, the point here is not that the sky is water to this day. And you can just look at that and say, well, look, the Bible's wrong. No, that's not the point. The point is he's, he's effectively communicating to the people there at that time. 
and and talking to them about saying, I'm the one who established it there. And that makes perfect sense because if you were in the same position, God would do the same thing with you. How many times do we see God saying to us, you know, Nick or, or whoever, you know, like, this is what, this is what I have for you. And maybe not all of our, or all of our presuppositions and how we think that is, or what it's going to work out is right. But God, and, and God isn't, is not concerned about correcting all of those at once. He's his, his point is to show you his character, who he is, right? That's, that is the focus of the Lord. And it makes sense because of what we talked about in the worship section, right? Right. In this last section with angelic beings and, you know, them, and, and we talk about worship for a little bit and talking about that worship is the only thing that satisfies us. And that is every, that, that is literally, when I say worship, I'm not talking about music, right? I mean, that is, it can be a form of worship, but what I'm, what I'm talking about is, is knowing God, God being your, like that is, he is everything in your life, right? Like you are, you were made for him. God, you were made for God. All of your purpose, all of your life blood, all of your happiness, all of your joy, everything comes from a relationship with God. All of your answers to life come from knowing God, knowing Christ Jesus. That's where it comes from. Knowing him, right? So, and, and, and God tells us to make disciples. So that, that whole thing. So this is what I'm saying. We have, we are, we are, we are, we are made for him. And so when God tells us about him, he's doing what's best for us. He knows what we have in mind and our purpose and our purpose and our reason for existing. So then we see here that, uh, yeah, so God called the expanse sky, right? So he is, he is, so naming and categorizing things are some of the main ways that the ancient Near Eastern um, culture would have seen as putting things in order. And we see this with Adam, with Adam too. So we look at here, it says, so God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. It was so God called the expanse sky. There was evening and there was morning a second day. So something to consider here is this was written in Hebrew, right? So whatever the Hebrew word is for sky would not have actually been what God called it. They were kind of like, what? Yes, that's not what God have, would have actually called it, right? If God is physically the one doing this, okay? Because Hebrew was not around until thousands of years later. The Hebrew language was even around until thousands of years later. So what the point is, is God is trying to communicate to us. We need to just get away from the material way that we're see we have been usually seen this from a Western world. You know, we, we, we tend to look at, you know, a, a tent and our view is the tent is camping. Instead of recognizing, though, like, literally, the order of camping is camping. Like, sitting around a campfire, you know, doing whatever, you know, like, like hanging out with friends. Like, that is camping, you know, where, where we've have just for so long seen a tent equals camping, you know. And this is where we see, like, that's not the case. You can have a tent and not camp. Or just like you can have an earth, a physical earth, and not, like, dwell and live with it and have it be your, like, your sacred space, your place of dwelling, Right? So what God is doing is he's making this his place of dwelling. He's camping. He's effectively camping, not just, not just making a tent. Right? For so long, we've just seen this passage as, oh, God just makes our tent. But no, 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 he's camping. He's making it. He's, you know, he, had make, he did make the tent. Right? He is the creator of the tent. I want to be clear of that. He is the creator of the physical earth. But God is, in this passage, something way more significant, which he is, he is choosing to dwell in it. 
right? So, and I think this is important because why would we be so concerned about this passage specifically saying, we already know God made the earth, but why would we be so concerned to say that, oh, this passage has to be talking about God making the physical, like the, the God making the physical earth when it's so much more important that God chose to make it a sacred space and chose to dwell within his creation, to chose to be present with us. Like that is, that should be the main thrust of Genesis 1. Like that should be it. You know, it's just for so long we've had, you know, a lot of people argue against God physically creating the earth. And so we just tend to grab this passage and say, that's what it means. But no, like it, it isn't. So this passage seems to be a lot more talking about, uh, you know, God establishing order and function and, uh, so that so that he will dwell with his people and making it for him and for his people to be in relationship with him. Okay. So God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place in verse nine and let dry ground appear. Okay. So dry ground doesn't say that it was, it was physically created. It just, it just appears. Okay. It was so God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters. He called seas. God saw that it was good, right? So this good, this word good here means it is operating within, we typically see good and we say, oh, like it tastes good. It's like, you know, experientially, you know, kind of ethereal. And uh, no, that's, that's, that's not, <clears throat> that, that's, that's not what he's talking about, right? When you see the word good, good means it is functioning, it's functioning how it should within the ordered system that it has been established in, right? So if you have a, you know, a marble and it's going down the marble run. Okay. And that marble continues going down the marble run and it's doing what it's supposed to do. That is good. Okay. If it goes off the marble run, that is not good. So that's how this is, this word is being used in the Hebrew. So it's functionally working. Even the word good here is functional. So God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. It was so God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, let the land produce vegetation. Right, let it produce vegetation. Plants yielding seeds and trees on the land bearing fruit with seed in it. According to their kinds. It was so the land produced vegetation. Plants yielding seeds according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a third day. So in this, in this section too, uh, what we can see is this was word produce, you know, vegetation, you know, the, the, like, like producing vegetation here, like these, the Hebrew, the Hebrew can also be interpreted as make green. So make more green, right? So make green. And so, you know, densely populating this, in, in more of a green sense. We're not saying that this vegetation was not, was not already that maybe the seeds weren't already there or they weren't there. You know, God, you know, I'm not saying that material, material understanding is completely separate from this passage. All I am saying is it could be, and we have to be okay with that. Like it could be that God made these things beforehand and it could be that God um, is putting these things in order now. And I mean, definitely what we've seen so far has been in order and a put it, put a putting in order 
and a defining and an organizing and a giving names. Like that is a lot more what we have seen thus far. And with the land producing vegetation, um, I think there's an argument for that same case of the land producing it, right? It's being produced by the, by the land, right? Obviously God is sovereign over everything. He's the creator and establisher and, and sustainer of all things. Um, but the earth was already here. Like we've talked about, the earth has already been here with water and everything else, right? So what God is doing is, it seems to be doing a non, and the ancient Near Eastern culture would see it this way, a non-physical establishing and ordering of this planet, right? Of everything that's around us so that the pinnacle God can dwell. So God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky, to separate the day from the night and let them be signs to indicate seasons and days and years. So, okay, hold on. You can be like, oh, no, no, no. This is where God makes the lights. This is where he makes the lights. You got to understand what he's saying. Okay, what's the function? What's the purpose? God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be signs. Why? To indicate seasons and days and years. This is more... This is, we're talking more about time here, okay? This is for God has established now, just not, not just a day, but signs for seasons and years and months and times, right? So this is, uh, this is more of what he's, this is what he's talking about and is what he's establishing. The ancient Near Eastern culture didn't even see the sky as a material thing. They thought stars were immaterial. You know, they didn't realize they were just massive balls of, of, you know, of hydrogen or nitrogen gas or whatever gas, you know, mixes, mixes of gases, right? They've, they've, they have, they saw these as non-material things. And so, and their purpose that the ancient Eastern world saw them was to literally govern times, right? That's why we see massive things like Stonehenge. It was like basically like a giant clock, like a sun, like a, a giant sundial. Like when we see, we see things like this, where the ancient Eastern world had an understanding of the purpose of the stars and the, in the, in the moon. And they had an understanding that it talked about time and they thought it was immaterial. That's why, I mean, you can see easily how that's how the ancient Eastern world drifted farther, a lot more in the direction of, you know, trying to get their you know, order from their life and their time from their life and their purpose from their life. Um, more from like an astrology, you know, perspective from the skies and the sky, you know, and the, and the stars and whatever, you know, which is, you know, definitely off, off, off accuracy. It's not right, but you could see how they could get that from that. Uh, if they believed that and they did. So then it says, uh, Indicate season years, let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. It was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, and their lesser light to rule over the night. He made the stars also. God placed the lights in the expanse of the sky to shine on the earth, to preside over the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. God said, let the weather swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. He's just saying, let them swarm, right? Not saying that they weren't there. He's not saying that, that they weren't, you know, you know, some, he is giving it function, right? I'm not saying this isn't talking about material, physical creation. Okay. But what I am saying is that's not the focus of Genesis, could God have made birds at that specific time? Sure. But that's not the focus of Genesis. The focus of Genesis is function and purpose oriented. Right? So just because I'm not saying 
Just because I'm not focusing on God materially making the birds here, this section, doesn't mean that God didn't make the birds at that time. It doesn't mean that God also didn't make the birds millions and billions of years ago at that time. So this is about function, right? This is what we're, this is our goal because this is what the ancient Near Eastern world cared about. They didn't care a lot about material things. I mean, they're living in tents for goodness, you know? Like these, this is the, this is the point here, okay? So ancient Near Eastern culture was looking at function, why? purpose-oriented, right? So, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created the great sea creatures and every living and moving thing with which the water swarmed according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind, God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the water in the seas and let the birds multiply in the earth. There was evening and there was morning, a fifth day. Okay. God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, cattle, creeping things, and wild animals, each according to its kind. It was so, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and cattle according to their kinds, and all the creature that, creatures that creep along the ground according to their kinds. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our own image. Okay, we will get to the humankind in our own image, right? That's a little, uh, that's the next place we're going. But the point that we're looking here is at the creation of the environment. Okay, so the creation of the environment um, all the way up here to the fifth day is we see that God has created this environment. Um, and a little bit into the sixth day, we see that God made um, some of the wild animals. And so we got to look at this and understand, okay, these, this is a temple inauguration kind of period of God giving things function to work well in the temple. I mean, it's the same thing as when Solomon was building the temple. He gave things purpose. He gave things function. He gave things order. He tried to he put it all together so that when, then, then is it a temple until God dwells in it? No, it's not. It's a beautiful building, but it's not a temple until the Lord dwells within the building, right? So, God is establishing earth as his temple. This, so you could even, you know, maybe specifically say Eden, but God is establishing, giving function to earth as a whole. And yeah, he's giving it, and, and he has materially made it before. Okay. Whether you want to believe, like he has materially made all the things. Yes, he has. But the focus of a Genesis is function orientation. Okay. It's function orientation. That's the purpose of Genesis Chapter one, uh, this is the end of know him session three, and, uh, we will be getting into, uh, the next session. I uh, hope to see you then.